This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Hello, Scoop Podcast faithful. Always appreciate you checking out the Scoop Podcast. I am back. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm rested or ready. I am tan, back from an excursion with Droogie, the six-year-old, to Boston. We squeezed a lot in in just a few days, saw four Red Sox games over the course of three days, Uncle John, my good friend John Carter, laid out the red carpet, so I am forever indebted to all that he does, the way he treats my six-year-old, the way he treats me. I am forever indebted to that man. That is a thankless, 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 thankless individual. This will be a three-part scoop podcast. This first part, recorded on Friday night, the 21st of July. The second part will be from Vine Park Brewery. Friday lunchtime, Friday the 21st of July as well, lunchtime. And, of course, I didn't have all my notes in front of me, so there's some things I did not talk about. But Andy Carlson, who helps produce and engineer the Scoop Podcast, he chimes in. Plus, we talk with the owner of Vine Park Brewery. It's the least we can do. Show him all sorts of love for his continued support of the Scoop Podcast. Andy Grage, Andy Grage will join us to tell us all about Vine Park Brewery on West 7th Street in St. Paul. Brew your own beer, make your own wine, vinepark.com. I'm telling you for this podcast to keep going, I need you to support Vine Park Brewery in this case. We've had a number of sponsors over the last 15 or so months that we've done the podcast, but right now the one that keeps us going is Vine Park Brewery. Plus then we will close the podcast episode. The idea on this one is, at least this first part, is for me to play a bunch of conversations I've had the last couple days. I spent some time with Harrison Smith, spent some time on Friday morning with Gophers coach P.J. Fleck. I was at Target Field for the 1987 dinner on Thursday night, so I chatted with a number of the 87 team members plus manager Tom Kelly. So I'll at least replay a few of those conversations. Plus we will have Brian Windhorst on the story broke from Brian on Friday afternoon. that Kyrie Irving has asked Cavs management for a trade. Then later his colleague, Chris Haynes reported that Kyrie gave the Cavs or his agent gave the Cavs a list of four teams that he would like to be traded to that the wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves, we're one of those four teams. Kyrie and Jimmy Butler are incredibly close. Maybe incredibly is too strong, but they have a very good relationship. He knows Tom Thibodeau from their time together with Team USA. I'm also told that Wolves assistant Ed Pinckney has a relationship with Kyrie Irving. I assume he looks at the landscape here and says, hey, that's a team that's on the cusp. Why wouldn't I want to go to Minnesota? But we'll get more insight on that from Brian Windhorst of ESPN. But let's start with P.J. Fleck. He was at Golden Valley Country Club, my backyard, on Friday morning. He was talking to a number of Minnesota police chiefs. I saw Eden Prairie's police chief there, Fridley, Crystal. There were like 25 or 30 police chiefs from the metropolitan area in attendance. So I was there for his speech. It was a lot of row the boat, but he also, he's very good at steering his 
speeches to his audience, so he definitely played to his audience. He got a standing ovation at the end. P.J. Fleck is an excellent public speaker. Anyway, I had a chance to catch up with P.J. very briefly after his speech. I mean, you connect with people on a daily basis. I mean, heck, the other day, Grand Marshal Aquitennial Parade. I mean, heck, you give these speeches all the time. But your message is always the same, isn't it? Uh, kind of. Uh, part of it is, um, you know, you, you adapt it a little bit to the audience that you have. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities with football coaches and law enforcement, to be honest with you. You're always under scrutiny. You have high expectations and you serve and give a community. You know, there's so many expectations you have. So you, you, you but it all fits in the row the boat motto. And, um, you know, and uh, just an amazing group of, of men and women in there and um, just honored to be here. Couple bullet points from your speech. Is it true that people are like literally knocking on your door in Edina? Oh, yeah, That's absolutely. not the Patinos like playing a joke on you or something. No, but if they go to Patinos, Patino sends them down the street to me. So if they do knock on Patinos, they're definitely knocking on the flex. <laughs> All right, ten wins is not getting you fired here. You said ten wins might eventually get you fired in Minnesota. No way. Well, what I want to be have people understand is that uh, I said the same thing at Western Michigan in terms of that quote. Is that eventually I want people to sit there and say, "Well, coach, you you only won ten. Why didn't you win eleven this year?" I want people's thoughts to change that way. Now that's not going to happen. It, that's not going to happen right away. But eventually, as you create a cultural a culture of sustainability. Like a lot of our people in the West, a lot of people in the East have done uh, that are champions and have been champions, uh, you are going to start to expect those things, and that's okay. Um, and I want people to look at Minnesota football a lot differently over the next decade and two decades, and it's going to be a lot of fun. A couple quick ones, and I'll let you go. The ESPNU show, what, what can fans expect when they watch it? <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I haven't seen it, uh, but uh, we did live it. Uh, but I, I think just be able to see uh, how elite the University of Minnesota is, uh, the new culture, the energy, the passion uh, that not only uh, the university has and our athletic department and the vision, the direction that's going, but also our family, you know, what, what we're really like. And people always say, are you really all the time like this? Is this you? They get to see in our life that it's, it's, it, it's us, that we just get to be ourselves. And it's a lot of fun, and I'm not really sure what people are going to see or what they're going to use, but it's a reality show. So they're going to want people to keep watching it, so I'm sure they'll use a lot of the uh, different things that you, we sit there and go like this as a family. <laughs> Big Ten Media Days next week. What, what will be your overriding message? Uh, the big thing is, is that we're, we're, we're accepting the change. Uh, we're growing every day, and we're here to change our best, working on the process. The dream is in the journey. It is in the process. And for us, we've got to be able to establish that first. We've got to get guys, uh, those 22 guys that were hurt who haven't even practiced yet, we've got to get evaluations of those uh, before we can even master anything. So the big thing is we are just got to change our best. We've got to believe in the process, and we just got to take one day at a time as we continue to move forward. I'll leave you with this. Of those 22, I mean, do you have a sense that a lot of them will be able to go that first yeah, day of practice? Uh, yeah, most of the guys will. I think 20 of the 22 are all set ready to go. Have been practicing in the summer in terms of winter can, or summer conditioning, but they'll be ready to go. A couple other things that P.J. Fleck told those police chiefs, told that crowd at Golden Valley Country Club on Friday morning. He stressed how good the 2019 Minnesota high school class is. We certainly have talked at length about Quinn Carroll, the Edina offensive lineman class of 2019. He has offers from just about every program in the country. The Gophers are pushing hard for him to commit, commit soon. He can be the face of the 2019 recruiting class, but Fleck said there are a number of really good players in the state of Minnesota in the class of 2019. That will be a very important recruiting class, as will the 2018 class. And he said, hey, we have a lot of commitments right now. We are ranked in the top 25. Minnesota hasn't had a top 25 recruiting class in a while. The 2018 and 2019 recruiting classes in many ways will lay the foundation for what we hope to accomplish I think he's trying to temper expectations for this year. Keep in mind 
They don't know who their quarterback is. It'll be kind of Rhoda or Demrycroft. They'll compete here in the month of August. But they have some holes to fill. This is not as good a roster as last year. It's not as favorable a schedule as last year. I think seven wins would be a good year for the Gophers. This is not a Rose Bowl team this year, but you get flex some time. And I say that, by the way, it's certainly some opinion and it's some talking to some people I trust over at the university. There is internally not incredibly high expectations. They know what they're dealing with, but, you know, PJ talks all the time about the process, establishing the culture that he wants to establish because Jerry Kill certainly established a good culture. But anyway, the point is, that it takes some time to build this thing. You think about his success at Western Michigan, it just takes some time. I certainly think he can win here. I think he can win here at a high level, but I do not expect him to win at a high level in 2017. Also, he swears since one of the papers listed his home address in Edina, he swears he's had a bunch of ding-dong ditchers, and he's had to call the Edina police, so he brought that up a few times. So he said, no, I'm not joking. You know, it's nothing too serious. We don't sense it's serious, but yeah, we've had some people knock on the door then run away or ring the doorbell, then run away. All right, let's get to Brian Windhorst of ESPN. He broke the Kyrie Irving story on Friday afternoon that Kyrie went to Cavs management or his agent or the collection of the two of them, went to Cavs management and said, hey, trade me or trade us. So anyway, I wanted to get Brian on because one of his colleagues later on on Friday said, hey, one of the teams that Kyrie is open to joining is indeed the Minnesota Timberwolves. So let's pick Brian's brain on the possibility of Kyrie Irving to the Wolves. Brian, great work on breaking the story on Friday afternoon. Help me with this. Why exactly does does Kyrie want out of Cleveland? Um, well... I, I I know why he wants out. I don't know why he wants out now. Um, I think it's important to frame this that way back in 2014, on July 1st, um, the brand-new general manager, David Griffin, and the brand-new coach, David Blatt, made their number one priority to go pitch Kyrie Irving on signing a contract extension with the franchise. They were in, in July 1st, they were in, in Manhattan. They went to a restaurant in the basement at midnight. They offered it to him, and David Griffin told them, you know, we're going to build a team like I had when I was in Phoenix. It's going to be a point guard-centric system like we had with Steve Nash. We're going to build it around you. And David Blatt, our new coach, is going gonna, is gonna to coach him up. And Ty Lue, our new assistant, who is the highest-paid assistant in NBA history, is going to be your mentor as a former point guard. And Kyrie likes what he heard, and he signed. And regardless of the conspiracy theories, I'm telling you, they didn't know LeBron was coming. They just didn't know. Mm-hmm. So Kyrie is ready to sign his extension, and then 12 days later or something, LeBron comes back to Cleveland. And then what? You know, within a couple of weeks after that, it was lined up for Kevin to come in as well. And the team that he thought he was going to have was blown up. And he's talked about this on and off, and I'm not even talking about in 2016 or the – well, I'm not, you know, going back and pulling an unfair quote out. I'm talking about during the finals, one month ago, give or take a few days. Um, he was talking about how it's difficult to find the balance between wanting to be selfish and having your own team and playing with a great player like LeBron. And he he praised LeBron. He could have been lying on all this stuff. But my point is, is it wasn't like we saw giant red flags and red lights. And so something happened. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe he changed his mood. Maybe David Griffin leaving was a tipping point. Maybe the way the finals went was a tipping point. Maybe something else that we don't know was a tipping point. 
I can't explain it. It was always there, and this is a guy who worships Kobe Bryant and sees himself as a Kobe Bryant-level player. Um, and, you know, Kobe wanted his own team. Kobe was – Kyrie is a little antisocial. I mean, he's not you – know, he has friends, but he's, he's a little bit of a loner on the team. Um, kind of – not – I mean, nobody's exactly like Kobe. You know, he, he's not that intense. But <laughs> he's a lot like Kobe. And, you know, and there were times over the last couple of years when I said, you know, there could be a day – where Kyrie would want to do it on his own. But after him talking and him being so clear about it in the finals, I thought, you know what? He may just wait LeBron out. He may wait for LeBron to move on or, or retire or whatever. And then he would see you know, he's so much younger than him. He still has, he's only 25. He still has probably, you know, five, six, seven years of prime level basketball, depending on his health. And so I thought, okay, you know what? He's not going to do that. He's going to stick together. And um, he, he obviously changed his mind. I mean, this could be his team right in a year. Like if LeBron next summer decides he wants to be a Laker or go wherever, Kyrie gets the super max. He gets all that money. He can stay in Cleveland. He can be the Kobe Bryant of the Cavs, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that people are, are proffering as a reason here is that he thinks LeBron's going to walk and he wants to get ahead of it. First off, nobody knows what LeBron's going to do because LeBron doesn't know. Anybody who tells you they know, they're just they're just guessing. I mean, you know, they can tell you they have – source within a source within a source but you know, LeBron doesn't know um you know LeBron I think would rather stay in Cleveland but you know it's within him to leave he's left twice um but yeah that's what I would say Darren I would say why why you know I disagree that if he thinks LeBron's going to leave he would leave now um I think it makes more sense to stay make your all-NBA team and uh and get your 70 million dollars extra um, so, again, I, I, there's got to be a, a missing piece of the puzzle that I don't know yet that may become clear, it may not, um, where this gonna, it's going to explain this. Do you think Cleveland ultimately decides, okay, he wants to be traded, we will trade him? It's not like they have to trade him. He's still under contract for at least a couple more years. Do you think Cleveland in the end says, Brian, okay, you know what he wants out, we'll satisfy his request? Yeah, they have three options, right? They have the uh, the Kobe option from the Lakers, which was, I think it was 2007 when he, you know, remember Rick Bucher going on Sports Center. I'll never play another game in a Laker uniform. And the, and the Lakers said, well, actually, we've got you under contract for a few years, so you will. <laughs> and they, they ended up trading for Powell Gasol, and they won two more titles. I mean, so they could go that route. I do think they probably will end up trading him, and they could go, um, you know, really what the Bulls did with Jimmy Butler and go for young players and draft picks. Or they could go for a veteran. Now, unfortunately, the veterans that you would want, uh, Paul George, uh, Chris Paul, um, Jimmy Butler, have all been traded. So I, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I would not do Carmelo for Kyrie straight up. Forget no. about that. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't go, you know, but that's another route they could go. But those are, to me, the way I see it, there are three options. Lakers, no, you know, call the bluff, um, go young or, or go veteran. All right, so if they do trade him, can you find a logical match? I'm struggling, Brian, whether it's San Antonio, New York, Minnesota. I'm struggling to find a logical a logical match. Well, of the teams that he's supposedly given the Cavs, now, by the way, he doesn't have a no-trade clause. He's got two years left on his contract. So he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage to force them to do anything. Again, just like the Bulls with Jimmy Butler, they could send him wherever they wanted to. Um of those four teams, the only team that makes sense to me in terms of the assets would be the Wolves. Um, I would guess that it would be something around um, 
Andrew Wiggins. Um, you know, I would want some other pieces as well. I mean, maybe you could maybe you could get uh, you know Bielitsa. Um, maybe you could get a future first round pick, but but that to me would be at least you know at least compared to the other teams, at least between Miami, New York, uh, San Antonio, and in uh, Minnesota, I think that's at least an option. I mean, I could see them doing that. It would leave them oddly built because they would be sort of thin on the wings. But I don't, you know, especially since Minnesota, I'm sure isn't thrilled about the prospect of giving Wiggins a full max at this point. I mean, at least I would be a little bit concerned about the full max. It would make sense, and you'd have you know, three pretty damn good players, um, you know, three all-star players in my mind. I don't know if all three of them make it in the West, but that would be pretty amazing. And, Ky- again, Kyrie's 25. You're not trading for a guy who's 29. Um, you know, I-, I could see that as being an option, and um, I could see the Cavs being able to walk away saying, all right, we'd be trading him for somebody that even if LeBron walks in a year, we now have a new franchise player. The, the same as the old franchise player back in 2014. And I suppose the Cavs would say, okay, if Wiggins wants five years, 148 million, if we can get him, we'll give it to him, huh? Yeah. And remember, if you trade the guy within the first four years, you retain his long-term rights too on the, on the, on the supermax. Not that I think that I'm ready to go there with Andrew Wiggins yet. Um, it, it, my, my the way I view Wiggins, you know, you're on top of this more than anybody. The way I view Wiggins, you probably have to give him the max. Yes. Just because, um, you know, there's so much going on. There's such a demand for players like that, and his runway to be great is still there. So you probably give it to him if you're the Wolves, but I don't think you hand it to him like you're going to hand it to to Towns in a year, where you're rushing it to his nose on on July 1st, which they haven't obviously um so uh but certainly i mean again if you know do you think they would be willing to, to even make wiggins available for Kyrie? i mean I, I would think that would be the type of trade they would be interested in i mean i think it would be appealing to bring Kyrie irving here i mean we're talking about a superstar right i mean there are questions about andrew wiggins you're right brian i mean heck well, he doesn't like to Kyrie rebound too. he doesn't always like to defend i mean there are warts he doesn't like to pass all the time. There are warts when evaluating Andrew Wiggins' game. I guess my point or my comeback would be, at 22 years old, he's far from a finished product. So even though he's been in the league, what, four years now, there's still a ceiling that Andrew Wiggins can get to. But yes, I think if you have a chance to acquire a superstar, a known superstar, a known commodity in Kyrie Irving, I think you have to do it. But boy, I'll tell you what, Brian, I don't know if Kyrie and Jeff T could coexist. You don't have any wings. I mean, I guess the thought would be we can get Tony Allen to come for a veteran minimum. We'll get another guy for the veteran minimum, a Gerald Henderson type, and we'll just roll. I mean, if we can have Irving, Butler, Towns, that gives us a great chance. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. You know, Kyrie is a is more of a two-guard than he is a point guard. I mean, that's, you know, he's a tremendous shooter. Now, he is miserable defensively. Miserable. But he is tremendously valuable in the postseason and at the end of close games, too, because he can create his own shot. I mean, he hit arguably the biggest shot in NBA history, creating his own shot. Um, He is maybe the most dynamic uh, dribbler I've ever seen. And he is maybe one of the most he's he's the map. I've never seen a player who has mastered spin the way he can spin the ball. I mean, he is a. You know, and not only that, he's got a signature shoe. He's a major business driver. I mean, I would, 
you know, if the Timberwolves had Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, and Carl Towns, I mean, I'm looking at a string of sellouts. <laughs> and not only that, his contract is fantastic. He, you know, he signed one of the contracts under the old CBA. He, you know, he's going to, he's going to make, he makes less money than like Alan Crabb. Um, it's still a lot of money. It's a little bit right about 20 million a year for the next couple of years. But in this world where Ryan Anderson's making $20 million a year, I mean, his, his value contract wise is tremendous over the next couple of years. Does it shrink the window though? I mean, okay. So Towns is here for, for a long time. But you have Butler, who can opt out after two years. You have Irving, who can opt out after two years. I do wonder a little bit if you're shrinking that window. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's definitely true. Um, You know, Minnesota hasn't been a, um, you know, Minnesota hasn't been the type of place that's been able to, you know, appeal to free agents. But I don't know. It, It just depends. I mean, You've got the same window with with Jimmy Butler, right? He's on. He's got for two years. So, mm-hmm. You know, you you know, you, you know uh, I, I don't know. It's it's it, you could go ten different ways for a team that hadn't made the playoffs in thirteen years. Sure, I'm and going, I'm going. I'm going for two dynamic years, and we'll worry about the rest later. Sure, although I think um, with the core they have now, it has a chance to be dynamic enough. I do think one of many fascinating tentacles is. I do think Tibbs and Layden would have some interest in doing some sort of Wiggins, make the money work. You send out Wiggins, other stuff. You bring in Kyrie Irving. The owner, Glenn Taylor, told me a couple weeks ago on this podcast, he said, we made Wiggins off limits to Chicago very early in the Jimmy Butler talks. The Chicago said, hey, what about Wiggins? The Wolves said, no, we are not giving up Wiggins, even if we can get Jimmy Butler. So I do think, at least from ownership, there is some love for Andrew Wiggins, so I do wonder if if ownership and the front office would butt heads a little bit. So I do wonder about that. But I'll tell you what, for for talk radio fodder, you know, when your colleague Chris Haynes put that out on Twitter on Friday afternoon that Minnesota was one of Kyrie's preferred destinations, I'll tell you what. I mean, social media wise and talk radio wise here in the Twin Cities, I mean, it just it blew up as you can imagine. Well, it's an incredible step forward for the Wolves franchise even be to be mentioned. You're right. Like, yes. I mean, it's great. So, I mean, even that alone, if that's all it is, it's, it's, it's great news for the Wolves. Look, if they're not going to trade Wiggins, then there's nothing really to talk about. And honestly, if that's Glenn's feeling, I get it. I get it. You know, again, Kyrie has had some injury problems, although none of his injuries are chronic. He doesn't have you know, uh, a bad knee or a bad shoulder. His injuries have been because he's fragile. He gets hit and knocked to the ground and gets hurt. Um, I would feel worse if he had had, you know, frankly, an ACL like Zach Levine did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I'm a little bit more worried about that uh, than I am the fact that he broke his kneecap because he was limping on his foot because he was, you know, he got stepped on. And, you know, he, a couple times he's like broken bones in his hand. Because, you know, he goes in and he gets fouled a lot. I mean, that's a legitimate concern. His injury history is a legitimate concern. And if and if Glenn looked at that and said, listen, I don't want an injury-prone 25-year-old when I have this 22-year-old who I think is going to be an all-star for 10 years, uh, and they, they, they don't want to do that, I get it. Um, but I also think that if they engage the Cavs on that level, the Cavs have to seriously look at it. And, um, you know, uh, frankly, a Kyrie for Wiggins swap, and if you had to include something else, I mean – I like Bielitsa. <laughs> I don't think Tibbs seems to like him the way he plays him, but um, 
you know, I don't know if you'd have to include Cole Aldrich or something like that to make the money work. But um, to me, that's a, <laughs> to me, if the Cavs could get a player like uh, Wiggins and one other piece, whether it's a draft pick or whether it's a player like Bielitsa, I don't know. I, you know, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they like somebody else. I don't know. But um, to me, that would be pretty. Fa- that would be pretty fascinating. I mean, uh, the logical, I guess, match would be, I mean, I assume you'd want to keep Gorgie Jang. I don't think you're moving Gorgie Jang. I'm not quite sure the Cavs would have an interest in Gorgie Jang. But, yeah, I think it would be Cole Aldrich, who's only got a partial guarantee in two years, so essentially an expiring contract. Bielitsa, who's an expiring contract, but there's maybe some talent there. I suppose you could add in the pick you got for Ricky Rubio. You know, now is that too much along with Wiggins? Yeah. I mean, I, I I probably wouldn't give up Bielitsa and the pick. I just, I just know that if, you know, if I were, you know, I, I like Bielitsa. For all I know, the Cavs have no interest in him. I'm just saying that I watch a lot of Timberwolves games. I like the guy. I, I like wish him he too. shot the ball. Mm-hmm. I wish he shot the ball from distance a little bit better. Um, because when he makes those outside shots, you're like, man, I, I you know, I love him as a player. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Cole Aldrich, and a bad number one pick. Like, you know, that's not an unreasonable haul. That's not an unreasonable thing to, you know, to, to do. And, and they would probably argue on the pick or whatever. But, you know, if I could get Wiggins and I was Cleveland, I would probably seriously think about it. Can you see any offer the Spurs could make, that the Knicks could make, that these other teams could make that, that makes sense? I, I, under no circumstances would I trade um, Kyrie for Carmelo Anthony straight up. Under no circumstances. Uh, and I don't see them including Porzingis. I don't think that deal makes sense either. I don't. I wouldn't trade Porzingis for Kyrie the other direction. So, I guess it's possible, but I don't like it. Uh, in in San Antonio, I mean, they have some pieces that I would like if I were Cleveland. I mean, I like Dejounte Murray. I like uh, you know Danny Green. But I think you're going to get better offers. Uh, you know, I, I think the Phoenix Suns could make a strong offer with Eric Bledsoe. I, I would ask for. Um, uh, for the kid they drafted, why am I blanking on his name? Um, uh, the kid from uh, from uh, the number four overall pick. I would ask about him. Um, I would talk to the the Kings about De'Aaron Fox and maybe like Willie Cauley Stein or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, both of those teams. You know, if you if you were if you were Phoenix and you could pair Kyrie Irving with Devin Booker, you may be willing to do something. If you were Sacramento and you could, you know, they think Buddy Heald's the second coming of Michael Jordan, um, you know, you could pair Buddy Heald with Kyrie Irving. I would think that you might be willing to give up this guy that you just so, so they might be able to get some real offers for him. I don't think they're going to have to take a poo-poo platter. Uh, Josh um, Jackson like, would be, like, yeah, Josh Jackson. I mean, if Phoenix did Josh Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, or what about Denver? Does Denver make any sense? Seems like they have so many assets. Well, they do, but I don't know if they have anybody like, you know, it, it, they certainly couldn't beat an offer that, um, I mean, they're not, they're not trading Jokic. No. They're not trading Millsap. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I think Minnesota, if Minnesota was willing to make Wiggins available, that might be the best deal the Cats could get. And, you know, whether or not they'd make Wiggins available, that's a big, long conversation that you can have with your listeners. Um I don't know. Kyrie Irving is a pretty is a pretty darn good player. We're talking about a four time All Star who's twenty five years old, um, who's under contract for a couple of years. It's hard to find these types of players, and that's what I, that's why I thought the the Jimmy Butler trade was so good. Is that it's really hard to get those types of players. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, it's you know 
when the, the last time they were really good, you know, they had a good player and they, they got to sell and free well in the same off season. Right. And next, thing you know, they're a 60 win team. Butler and Kyrie Irving are, would instantly be two of the five best players in the history of the Timberwolves, I would think. And you pair them with Carl Towns, who has a chance to be a future MVP. So, I mean, these are the, you know, he, you know, general managers, they either have multiple star players or they are trying to get them. That's the only two ways they go. They dream of getting them. And, you know, this has been incredible to see the amount of stars that have been available on the market for the last couple of months is breathtaking. And, you know, it's just, it's just very rare. And the Cavs, and this is one of the things the Cavs are really frustrated about, they missed the window. You know, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George all got traded in the last, you know, five weeks. Mm-hmm. And now Kyrie Irving wants to be traded. <laughs> I mean, now he is, wants to be traded. <laughs> it is just nuts. Okay, so, so Kyrie aside, do you, do you like the Minnesota offseason? I mean, some people are saying, heck, they could have, put it this way, they could have had C.J. Miles they wouldn't give up the pick they got for Rubio. And I get it, there's there's cap ramifications, but they could have, in a sign-and-trade, they could have moved the pick plus Aldrich, gotten C.J. Miles. Some people say Taj Gibson at $14 million a year. That's a bit nuts. But I don't think anybody can debate the Jimmy Butler trade. And you just you look at the core as a whole, Brian, I mean, they would have to suffer catastrophic injury after catastrophic injury to not make the playoffs. Like, they will finally get back to the playoffs after this 13-year run of not making the playoffs, I just don't know how Wolves fans can be upset at their offseason. Well, Taj Gibson for $14 million when Patrick Patterson got, what did he get, six? Yeah, even a little less, that, yeah. That one is a little bit, you're like, ooh. <laughs> but Taj Gibson, you know, I'd rather have Taj Gibson than Patrick Patterson, to be honest with you. But um, I, the Wolves had this one window to acquire players. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, in theory, they're going to sign Wiggins and they're not going to have room. And I think that they have assets. I, you know, the, the way I look at a player, the way I look at a signing, can you trade them? Can you trade Taj Gibson in three months? Probably yes. I think so. On a two-year deal, absolutely, yes. You know, you look at, you know, the other thing, I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that Justin Patton is hurt, but, um, you know, that's, you know, they've got, the players that they have on their roster, you don't look at that and go, wow, they're stuck with him. You know, like you look at like Dallas with like, you know, Wes Matthews, for example, or you look at Portland, they can't trade any of those guys. They can't trade Myers Leonard. Forget about Alan Crabb. You know, so I look at the, their, their moves and I go, well, but the guys they got, if they had to trade them, they could trade them. So um, that's the way I've always looked at it. Uh, and I, I just thought Jimmy Butler was such an incredible fit for them for what he brings to the table. Um, now Teague, they, they, you know, it was a, it was a summer where the point guard situation was, if you were a buyer of point guards, you could do pretty well. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if I would have rather had George Hill or Jeff Teague, um, well, for the money, I mean, you look at the contract, you know, Hill's money is only, what, $40 million guaranteed. Now, the word I had heard, Brian, was that George Hill, all things equal, wasn't necessarily a big fan of coming to play for Tom Thibodeau. Now, I think if he had done some research, I think he was thinking of Tibbs from his Chicago days. Tibbs eased up a little bit this past year. I think the year off did some good for Tom Thibodeau in terms of how he handles guys, especially during practices. But the buzz I had heard was that George Hill, all things equal, if he was getting comparable offers, that he wasn't necessarily open to coming to Minnesota. 
Well, bottom line, I think that they had a good offseason with Jimmy Butler. I agree, yes. With, with Jimmy Butler included, it's a great offseason. Mm-hmm. With, with just the free agency period, I think they did okay. I wish they would have gotten some shooting. Um, you know, if they had been able to get J.J. Redick, which I don't think – I mean, the, the, what J.J. Redick signed, they were not – they couldn't they couldn't play in that game. No, I mean, they would have um, had to offer, I think, a four-year deal – Maybe three, but probably four at you know sixteen million a year. They could have done that. I actually would have made the offer, even if he would have said no. I would have at least extended the offer. But I get it. It's not like he's a young guy, you know. Well, but they made an the effort thing. on Reddick. If you sign JJ Reddick, you could always trade him. But I don't know if you could trade him in three years at the foreign Correct. But it, it, so I, the only like negative mark is I would just wish they would have got some shooting. I mean I Jamal Crawford. If he can be anything close to what he was two years ago, I don't know if he can. I mean, as a person, you know Jamal. I mean, he's A-plus, right? There's not a better guy on the planet than Jamal Crawford. But he did, I mean, at least production-wise, last year was a bit of a down year. He's now 37. You have to wonder. But, I mean, they'll count on Jamal a bunch this year. He, There will be 10 to 12 nights where you want to kiss the, his feet. And there will probably be... 10 to 12 nights where you're like, oh, my God, this guy's <laughs> awful. And so what are the other – what's what's going to be the other? You know, is are you going to – you know, because some people – you know, some people think that Jamal crossed over a little bit last year to maybe be on the slide. Um, but, you know, they got him at good value. I mean, you know, this is, this is one of the things I've been telling people about Derrick Rose. You know, Derrick Rose, at $20 million, he's a disappointing player. At $2 million – uh, yeah, he's not perfect, but you know the guy's still got some some juice left. So the fact that they didn't you know pay a lot of money for Jamal, um, you know I think mitigates it a little bit. But I also would not expect the Jamal of like you know even two or three years ago. Who do you think they land? I mean, they're still after some wings, a point guard. I mean, eventually they'll land some of these guys on veteran minimum contracts. Who who do you think is a good fit for the Wolves at this point? Well, I mean, I love everything about Tony Allen, but he can't shoot. <laughs> Correct. And so, yes. again, I get into the same situation where I think it's going to be hard to play him at times. Um, but you would so, take him at the veteran minimum, right? Like if he says, okay, I'll be a Minnesota Timberwolf, you say yes. In fact, I'm positive they would take him for the veteran minimum. He's, he was second team all defense last year. Um, but, like, they just went through dealing with a guy who they, had to, who they had to play with the other team didn't guard. And it's just going to be hard to play. Yes, but the minimum, he's a yes. Um can you get Gerald Henderson at the minimum? <laughs> that would be a tremendous addition for the minimum. Um, you know, that would be awesome, you know. I mean, the uh, jobs are – they're where's the money? I mean, I guess the jobs are available, but who has money at this point? Who's spending Who's spending more than the minimum on the Mike Dunleavy Juniors, the Gerald Hendersons? Yeah, I, I personally think you'll get some of those guys for the veteran minimum. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, the market is dry now. The market is dry. There's really no more money out there. There's a couple of teams that have money. You know, Brooklyn has money. Philly has some money. Um, but I don't think they're going to be spending it in one fell swoop. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that they should be able to get one more player. I just, I would just really like the next guy they get to be able to shoot the ball. <laughs> um, that's, I think that's, that's still somewhere where they're a little bit below standard. But, look, I'm, I'm not I'm gonna, I'm, that's nitpicking. I, I, I'm, I think that they're in great shape. Uh, and the one thing that they have is, you know, their hurdle is relatively low. They don't have to get to the Western Conference Finals. They don't have to beat the Warriors this year. Mm-hmm. Just get in. Just get in, and everybody's going to be thrilled. And that's a, that's a honeymoon period that 
most most teams in the West, you know, Houston doesn't enjoy, Oklahoma City doesn't enjoy, Utah doesn't enjoy. Um, you know, they they will have a low level of ecstasy this year, and I think that 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 alone should should make it uh, a chance for them to have a momentum building season. Brian, great work as always. Thank you so much. I told you what five, six, seven minutes you gave me far more than that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I I still have my Timberwolf stock from last year. I well, have not sold it. I had don't sell bare it. Bones, very bare bones offers. Um, the market ran away from it, but I I'm still holding my Timberwolf stock. You should. I think. I mean, I think a top four, top five seed in the Western Conference is very realistic. I truly believe that. As good as Houston is, as good as San Antonio is, Golden State, they can be that next team. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm excited about their future, but I'm going to restrain myself a little bit because I I got a little out in front of the skis last year, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold back and just say we'll see. That's fair because gonna... the Clippers are good. I think Utah still has a chance to be okay. Denver is somewhat appealing. I mean, Sacramento will be better. I don't know if they're a playoff team. Memphis still has some guys. I mean, the West is loaded. But I'm just telling you, I think I think they can be as high as four or five. I really believe that. I don't disagree with you. But I'm going to be careful because I'm once burned with this group. <laughs> Sounds good, Brian. We'll be in touch as always. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Brian is music to the ears of Wolves fans. He thinks Kyrie Irving's most logical destination is Minnesota. He thinks in the end Cleveland will move him. All right, let's transition to the Vikings. It's a matter of when, not if. In fact, I think it'll happen very, very soon. They will announce a monster Money extension, monster financial extension, contractual extension for cornerback Xavier Rhodes. That's among the topics I talked to Harrison Smith about. I was at Harrison Smith's football camp at Augsburg College on Thursday. $20, that was it, and the kids got this really cool T-shirt. You were pretty much paying for the T-shirt. Proceeds go to Big Brothers Big Sisters. So was Harrison just donating his time. He's not making any money on his camp. Anyway, he did the camp on Thursday, also did Kyle Rudolph's camp earlier in the week. Harrison Smith loves being around kids, so that was among the topics, plus Xavier Rhodes, that I got into with Harrison Smith. Harrison, just watching you interact with some of the kids, I mean, you're picking one up, running around the field with them. I mean, you genuinely, you enjoy doing this, don't you? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I remember being this age range and going to summer camps, whether it was football or whatever sport, um, and just having fun, learning something new, enjoying myself. And, um, you know, it's still a workout for me to get out here and, and, and play with the kids. They got a lot of energy, and um, I love being out here. There's a lot of want, a lot of desire. Are they picking your brain on a lot of things? Uh, there, there's actually some, some people with some great questions. And then you got to love, there's kind of no filter on some of the questions. So they don't care if it's going to hurt my feelings or what. They just let it go. And uh, you, you definitely got to appreciate that. But some of them have a great knowledge of the game, and uh, you can tell they, they're big fans. Is it possible to hurt your feelings? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll remember it. It doesn't exactly hurt me, but it's, but it's fun to see. It's, it's just fun to see what they come up with. Was one of the keys making sure that this camp was very affordable? I saw that, what is it, like 20 bucks? I mean, was that a key, making sure that a lot of kids that wanted to come could come? Yeah, I really, I, I really wanted to do it for free, but um, you know, we figured we'd throw in the shirt, you know, with twenty dollar charge and sign everything I can sign and take pictures, and um, that, you know, not out here trying to make money. We're out here trying to support big brothers, big sisters. Uh, Augsburg really helped us out for the venue and um, the coaches, and everyone's been great. And uh, really, really appreciate the hard work that everyone's put in to put this camp on. 
Is Big Brothers Big Sisters near and dear to your heart? Yes, they, um, you know, just the mentorship that they provide for young people, um, I, I, I believe is priceless. And um, I was fortunate to have a lot of people within my family and, and mentors that I grew up around um, just lucky. And I know everyone's not that lucky. So I want to give back in some way. And uh, I know Big Brothers Big Sisters um, does that uh, at a very high level. Not quite sure you're ever itching to get to Mankato, but think about it this time next week. You'll be on the practice field. Yeah, no, I, I actually am itching to get down there. Um, you know, everyone kind of acts like they dread camp, but once you get in there, you get into the thick of it, you just kind of embrace it. Uh, you want to get better. We want to get better. We, we want to win the championship. That's why we're going there. And um, that's the only goal that we have. You know, that's, that's what Coach Zimmer wants out of us, and that's what we want. That's what I want. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get down to Mankato. Are you embracing flying under the radar? Like you think about this time last year coming off the 11 wins, mm -hmm. there was a target on the Vikings back coming off the year that you guys had. I think you're flying under the radar a little bit. Do you like that though? Yeah, I mean to us, I, I don't think you should really change, change your approach for, regardless of how it is. We, uh, we have a lot of work to do and, you know, to be where we want to be. And that's, that's our mindset. You know, I think, I think we play better when, when we know, you know, there's, there's a tough road ahead. Uh, not, not that you know we're scared of anything or can't do it, but we know there's a lot of work to be put in. I think that's when our team plays the best and we rise to the occasion uh, when we know that our back's a little bit against the wall. OTA's minicamp go well. I mean, you think about like you know the revamped offensive line, like all the pre-snap penalties last year. Now you have new tackles. You know, maybe some of those issues are in the rearview mirror. You have Sam Bradford here for an entire offseason. You think about the craziness of when he came in, starting a game what like two weeks later. Yeah. Do you feel like this offseason has been pretty dang smooth? Yeah, you know and. The offseason can be up and down. It can be smooth or whatever. What matters the most is what happens on game day. Are we going to get the wins, you know, the critical situations? Are we going to do things the right way? Are we going to do things the way we're coached? And that's, that's what training camp's about, and that's why, that's why I'm excited to get down there. So, you know, because there's always an if. If we do this, you know, we, we're 10 and 6, or if we do that, we're 6 and 10. Um, so you can always say if, and this year we don't want to say if. We want to correct those things. And, and finish games and win. I'll leave you with this. Instead of an if, it's a when. When, when Xavier Rhodes in your defensive backfield will sign a, a massive extension. Are you happy for him? Oh yeah, I've been uh, I've been on him a little bit um, over the past few months. Uh, saw him the past couple of days. So you know, I'm asking him. I'm asking him when he's taking me out to dinner. So uh, I'm I'm happy for him. And you know, I don't know, you know, when or whatever. But he's, uh, in my opinion, he's the best in the game. So you know, he's. Uh, He's, he's, he's well worth uh, his weight in gold. So, I mean, the obvious follow-up is, I mean, think about where he was maybe three or four years ago to where he is now. I mean, maybe that's like the Mike Zimmer effect, but, I mean, how much he's gotten better is really, really impressive. Yeah, you know, I think, obviously, Xavier's putting in the work. Xavier's making the plays. He's, do, he's studying. Um, and he's, he's always had the ability. He's, he's just coming into his own and, and dominating. Um, you know, but also you got Coach Zim, you got Jerry Gray. Um, George Edwards, you got those guys um, who have who have great knowledge of the game and know how to pass it along to the younger guys coming up, and I think that's what you're seeing. Viking safety Harrison Smith. I wanted to get Joe Schmidt on this scoop podcast, but he was on vacation. He was down in Walton, Kentucky, about a week and a half ago. He was spending time with Mike Zimmer. He's got all sorts of good stuff from Mike Zimmer. I remember Joe telling me that he asked Mike Zimmer, give me one player that's maybe flying under the radar or that player that's going to have a breakout year, like Adam Thielen did last year or Daniil Hunter had last year. 
And I know Zimmer told Joe it was Trey Waynes, but I wanted to get into all sorts of stuff with Joe. Maybe I'll try to get him on episode 86, although my schedule next week is is all over the place with Vikings training camp. I'm in Mankato, so I'm not near a microphone to record a Scoop podcast. Might be able to do one on Tuesday. That's my only window. I'll look ahead to that in a couple days. But, yeah, I should get Joe Schmidt definitely on. I mean, he's got all sorts of good stuff from Mike Zimmer. He spent like four hours with Mike Zimmer, shot – uh, some some ski shooting with Mike on his on his property, Zimmer Ridge Ranch. Rode around on the tractor with Zimmer. I mean, Joe got this intimate access to Mike Zimmer, so it would make some sense to have Joe Schmidt on the Scoop Podcast. So whether it's eighty six or eighty seven, or heck, maybe we'll do it in a month from now. At some point, I will have Joe Schmidt on the Scoop Podcast to review his trip to Walton, Kentucky. All right, instead of playing three or four of my twins interviews we'll just play jeff reardon jeff reardon the closer on the 1987 twins team caught up with him on thursday at the dinner at target field so the twins invited all these fans onto the field at target field on thursday they had a chance to mingle with the 87 twins everybody in town we know that kirby puckett passed everybody in town except for don baylor don baylor going to cooperstown next weekend for the hall of fame ceremony so Don didn't want to travel back-to-back weekend. So Don Baylor not in town this weekend. Tom Brunanski not in town also. He has a wedding, a family wedding. Otherwise, from Greg Gagne to Steve Lombardozzi to Gary Gaetti to Jeff Reardon, all those other guys are in town. It's a celebration, a 30-year celebration, a 30-year anniversary celebration of the 1987 Twins World Series Championship. Anyway, here's my conversation with closer Jeff Reardon. Jeff, I suppose whether it's 10 years, 20 years, I've been asking all these guys. <laughs> now 30 years. I mean, these reunions never get old, do they? No, they don't. Uh, you know, it makes you feel young again when you come back here. And hopefully I'll be around for 40 and 50. You never know. <laughs> what comes up most often? I mean, as you're catching up with a lot of your old teammates, what, what comes up? Well, of course, about winning the World Series and how tight we were as a team. You know, we all got along really well in the locker room, and we thought that was really nice, you know. What was it like when you came back from Detroit? You're thinking there might be a few fans in the Metrodome, and the Metrodome is just filled with with fans galore. A couple thousand fans, you know, when we were on the bus. You know, we didn't mind that. We were excited there was a couple down, and then we pulled in. Everybody looked up, and I mean, guys were like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I think right there, that pumped everyone up, you know. And the Metrodome as a whole, I mean, you guys had home field advantage. Who knows? Maybe you don't win the World Series without home field advantage. The Metrodome was a difference maker, wasn't it? Yes, I think that was very important. You know, we, we had a great year there, and... You know, I think home field means a lot at every World Series. Is it emotional all this weekend? I mean, whether it's Kirby, I mean, there's some guys that can't be here. It will be. I, I think I got to throw out the first pitch uh, Saturday. That'll be emotional, you know. Bring it to Laudner, like reenactment. I'm sure that'll be a little emotional. What's the adrenaline rush like? The adrenaline rush when, when you took the mound, especially there that 87 season. Is there anything that compares to it? I was so nervous because Frank had retired 17 in a row and uh, – you know, Stel Mazik told me to get up, warm up, and then when I, I saw him answer the phone, uh, you know, I, I still didn't think I was in the game. He goes, it's your game, guy. Went, what? <laughs> you know, but then I wanted the ball, you know, but I was most nervous I ever been in my life. What does Tom Kelly mean to you, and how did he change the culture when he, when he took over? He meant a lot to me because, uh, you know, early in the year, people, you know, I don't know if they remember, I was really struggling for about five, six weeks. Juan Berenger was pitching great. I mean, TK could have maybe handed him the ball as closer. Juan had a great year, and but TK probably knew I had the experience. 
he hung with me and you know and I help you know reward reward him and everything so TK means he's he's the best manager I ever played for leave you with this Jeff what's what's keeping you busy right now uh, not too much just coming up here I do the twins fantasy camps do a couple of signings I had my first uh, grandkid uh, so that's keeping us busy and life's good I mean with some of the the hurdles that you had to go through but now all is well tough still a tough thing we still try to raise money to help other kids you know because he was 20 and uh, you know he's never forgotten I mean you never never forget that so but we're getting by we're still here so <laughs> he would be Shane Shane Reardon died of a drug overdose about 13 or 14 years ago I should look up Wikipedia but it was a number of years ago that Jeff and his wife lost their son Shane to a drug overdose Hey guys, this is Manny Hill. And I'm Derek James. We are the Raised by Wolves podcast. You can check us out, of course, at 1500ESPN.com. You can search us on iTunes, and you can check us out, of course, at Podcast One. We talk Timberwolves. We talk music. We'll talk food a little bit once in a while, but uh, mainly talk basketball and, and a little bit of music as well. So check us out. You can find us, of course, iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, the Raised by Wolves podcast. We continue here from Vine Park Brewery Scoop Podcast, episode number 85, vinepark.com, 1254 West 7th Street, right between 35E and West 7th, on your way into downtown St. Paul. On Twitter, at vine underscore park underscore brew, brew your own beer, make your own wine. They've been doing it for many, many years. They keep the Scoop Podcast going, so be sure to support Vine Park Brewing. Andy Carlson is here. He's helping produce and engineer the Scoop Podcast, so I'll bring Andy into the conversation. You asked me as I walked in here mm. this afternoon, well, you're tan. Yes, I am tan. <laughs> Are you rested? The answer is absolutely not, which means I'm probably not ready to go. Had a blast in Boston, yeah. but like every vacation, you need a vacation to recover from your vacation, especially, especially when yeah, I've kids. got... My six-year-old with me, and I had, for a portion of the trip, my almost 69-year-old father-in-law mm. along for the way. He did not stay with us. He stayed in a hotel in downtown, and we stayed with a buddy of mine in Milton, Massachusetts. We were in Boston to check out the Red Sox and do all the touristy stuff. But, yeah, let's just say now, uh, father-in-law, six-year-old, um, yeah, I need a, a good weekend of rest. I've been around enough news people to know that you're never rested, but, but you are always ready to go. Yeah, and there's always something. Like, for example, technically, I didn't need to be here until lunchtime on mm. Friday afternoon, the 21st of July. Yep. You know, then I'm going in and doing some TV work this afternoon and evening, some behind-the-scenes TV work, filling in for a guy that needed a couple of days off before the Vikings start training camp. So in theory, after dropping my older one off at camp Friday morning, I could have gone home, maybe shut my eyes for an hour or two. But then I hear about P.J. Fleck doing a speech pretty much in my backyard at Golden mm -hmm. Valley Country Club on Friday morning. So I had to go over there. He's yeah. a fascinating speaker. And I've heard the message, the row the boat message, but he changes it depending on his audience. He was actually talking to a bunch of police chiefs, 25 police chiefs. So Fridley and Crystal and Eden Prairie, all mm -hmm. these cities were represented at this breakfast. And it was great. It was fantastic. And then I had ah. three, four, five minutes with PJ after it, yep. which you heard on the first part of Scoop Podcast, episode mm -hmm. 85. 
You know, but it's just, it is. It's one thing after another. Something always comes up, right? Now that, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this Jaime Garcia trade. Mm. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? So, yeah, in my business, it's good. I'd rather be busy than bored. Yep. But it is always something, Andy. It, with Fleck, which would be bigger? The Gophers winning the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl or him ending police shootings by speaking to the to the captains? Yeah, it's an interesting Chiefs. question. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could. He's very persuasive. He is incredibly persuasive. I don't know if he's got the persuasive power, though, to mm-hmm. stop the latter. On the former, you know, and he reminded the audience of this on Friday morning, talking about the 2018 recruiting class, how yep. he already has whatever the number is now, 16, 17 verbal commitments. Mm-hmm. There's a decent chance they will end up with a top 25 in the country recruiting class. That never happens at Minnesota. Then he talked about how the 2019 Minnesota high school class, you think about the Carroll kid, Eddie Dina, who's been on the Scoop podcast before. We've talked about him at length. P.J. Fleck wants that kid so badly. Every school in the country wants him. Mm. He's got offers from everybody. You name the university. You name the program. Quinn Carroll has an offer from that school. Ole Miss really wants him. I don't know if they're going to get him now. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe if he gets Hugh Freeze's cell phone number and yeah. maybe some of those phone numbers stored in that cell phone, maybe that could <laughs> persuade him. Yeah. But anyway, he's got all these offers. Mm. So if you beat out all these SEC schools, these ACC schools for Quinn Carroll, and that's what P.J. Fleck is pushing for very much, so he didn't talk about that publicly. Mm. But I can just tell you yeah. that he's pushing for a Carroll commitment sooner rather than later. He would take yep. him whenever. Yep. But he would love for that commitment to happen soon, so then he has the face of the 2019 recruiting class, much like Benny Sapp's kid, the former Viking, oh. who played Eden Prairie High School. He mm. committed early for the class of 2018, local kid, but had mm. some national offers. Now, he's dealt with a couple knee injuries, yep. so he hasn't played competitively for a while, but he'll play his senior year at Eden Prairie High School. Really good athlete. Yeah. You think Better about being dad, tutored by his dad. He also spends a lot of time with Tyrone Carter. Mm-hmm. So you have those sorts of mentors yep. to guide you, to teach you all the defensive back skills that you need. And learn from your dad's mistakes. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. And Tyrone's mistakes. So anyway, you get sapped to commit very early then everything falls into place yep. thereafter. I can't tell you on Gophers football. I don't remember if PJ said this on camera or off camera. They had 22 guys miss time at different mm-hmm. points of the off season. You know, some guys missed all of spring practice, portions of spring practice. Anyway, of the 22 guys that missed time during the off season, 20 have been cleared for the start of what do you want to call it? Training camp, yeah. summer training no, no, camp. That was, that was all medical. Fall training camp. All medical, not academic or anything like that. It was everybody had some sort of medical. Mm. You think about after a season, after the grind of any football season, many guys, whether it was just a cleanup surgery, yep. a different kind of surgery, they went under the knife. So there was mm. a recovery period there. So, you know, as PJ said, I mean, training camp, they will be evaluating some of these guys for the first time. There will be a lot of teaching and learning, so they'll be behind. I mean, other programs with coaches that have been in place now for for many years, you know, you did all that stuff, spring practice, captain's practices, you know, then you use training camp to really, you know, ramp Mm -hmm. up for the regular season. The Gophers are not in that position, and that's why I would say 
anybody who has high expectations for the Gophers in 2017, calm yep. down. They won't embarrass you. They'll be okay. Sasha, cancel the, the Pasadena flight. Yeah, you don't need to book plans to be partying at the Playboy Mansion in late December. All right? Oh, that place is run down. You won't be going to Los Angeles. You won't mm. be going to Pasadena. You won't. Maybe one day. Yep. In fact, I'm a P.J. Fleck apologist already. He hasn't even <laughs> coached a game. And I love the man's energy. I love his passion. I love his ability to recruit more than anything, him and his staff. They are relentless on the recruiting trail. So I firmly believe he will definitely land a top 25 2018 mm-hmm. class. And he will land a very good, in his words, elite 2019 recruiting class. Those two recruiting classes will be the base of a team that has a chance or multiple teams that have a chance to do some special things 2019, 2020, 2021. I'm just telling you, though. Don't look for those special things to happen in 2017. Mm. Now, you're, you're a gentleman of a certain age. Uh, compare and contrast this as to like when Lou Holtz came in in the late 80s and really started turning things around. Yeah, the excitement level of the fan base between Holtz and uh, Fleck. Ooh, it's just such a different era now. With Especially, you think about the influence that Fleck, his staff have mm. when it comes to social media. Yeah. They're omnipresent, right? So it's just it's such a different time. But there is there is certainly energy surrounding the program. But I would also argue there was strong energy at different points during the Jerry Kill era. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about Jerry Kill taking them to play Missouri in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, that was their first New Year's Day bowl game in how long? You know, you think about them going to Madison November of 2014, they're up two touchdowns in that game, 17-3. to three. Yep. If you win that game, you play for the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis. So at different points during the Jerry Kill era, there was all sorts of positivity. Plus, Jerry, you know, I'll tell you this. I mean, the Athletes' Village doesn't get built without Jerry Kill. You know, the academics, Jerry Kill, turned that thing around. You know, but certainly when Jerry was here, he got all sorts mm-hmm. of credit. He did. You know, remember, he was on... When I think it was the day they fired Tracy Clays, I got Jerry Kill on. I called him and ended up running upstairs. I was doing some TV work downstairs in the Hubbard building. I ran upstairs to join Mackie and Judd. We had Jerry Kill on for like 45 or 50 minutes. That's when he said, I'll never step foot on campus again. I think that was a very emotional time, highly emotional. You know, an hour after, two hours after, it was the next morning, maybe after Tracy Clays had been fired. Oh, he'll, We're talking he'll within have to when Rutgers plays Gophers in two years. You know, well, I don't know if he's there in two years. What if he's the head coach of Kansas State in a couple of years? Oh, yeah. It's don't Bill, dismiss that possibility. Bill Snyder is uh, a little bit long in the tooth. I would not dismiss that possibility, yep. even though Jerry said, I don't think I'll be a head coach again. Yeah. Did you think he'd be a coordinator? Did you think he'd be working no. at a Power 5 school yep. again? Well, he's now the offensive coordinator at Rutgers. Yeah. So I'm just saying don't dismiss the possibility yeah. of Jerry Kill being a head coach uh, again. quickly turns around. He sort of urban-mired it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. But you know what? He's got a passion for coaching. He's yeah. got a passion for kids. I can respect that. Mm. And talking to Jerry, and I'm biased. I'll admit my bias. I like the man personally a ton. Yeah. So I'll tell you this much. He has followed every doctor's order. He mm. has. I mean, he lost 25 to 30 pounds, revamped his diet doing that. I mean, he hasn't had a seizure in a really long time. You know, he's got to take his meds and all that, but he's following the doctor's orders. He got his doctor's blessing to take the Rutgers job. He did not Mm. take the Rutgers job without running that by his doctor, by his wife. So he's not defying authority. So I'm just saying 
you know, I root for him. I root for Rutgers. Why not? You know, heck, the Gophers aren't playing Rutgers, right, for – do they play him this year? I think it's two years. I think it's a couple of years, right? Yeah. It's multiple but, but was years. It also, doctors, or is it, hey, take over the coordinator job at a really crappy uh, school that somehow is in the Big Ten? We really know. We want the New York fan base. Yeah, that really worked out. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not like a lot of schools were bending over backwards to hire Jerry Kill mm. coming off his health history. Yep. The fact he hasn't been a coordinator in a really long time. Mm. You know, so, heck, the fact that Rutgers is looking for, you know, some sort of charge, right? Yep. I mean, it might be an act of desperation, some would argue, bringing in Jerry Kill. You know, but I get it from the Rutgers standpoint. Yep. I mean, you have to try. You have to think out of the box at times if you're Rutgers to have any chance. All right, let's move on from Gophers football, Andy. Yeah, speaking let's of get charge. Some, let's get some Wolves talk out of the way. I can tell you this much. They tried on Jonathan Simmons, who got three years roughly $18.5 million from Orlando. Mm. Might be the free agent steal of the summer. You look at that money and you say, whoa, that's a good player making what? How did Orlando get him? Yep. The Wolves could not find a way. They don't have any cap space. They can only offer veteran minimum contracts. They had enough dialogue with Simmons' agent, but there just wasn't a way to make it work. Are they open to creating cap space by moving Cole Aldrich? Yes, but it's not that simple because he has a partial guarantee two years from now. So any team mm. that acquires Cole Aldrich doesn't get an expiring contract. Yep. So he's got next year plus like two and a half or three million guaranteed in I guess it would be what, 2018, 2019. Mm. So you would take some sort of cap hit. So for any team to absorb Cole Aldrich, they either A, want to give you money. So, okay, we'll take Cole Aldrich, but we're sending you money. But if the Wolves want cap space, you're not taking the money, yeah. right? Or if we're taking Cole Aldrich, you need to throw in a sweetener. Well, that sweetener would be the Oklahoma City pick they got for Ricky Rubio. A second-round yeah. pick doesn't count as sweetener. No team is taking Cole Aldrich's contract for a second-round pick. So they're stuck in a rut. You know, their hope is they still want two wings and a guard. Mm. They've talked to a number of agents. Heck, a lot of agents have called them. I just found out today Monte Ellis' camp has had some dialogue with the Wolves. The Wolves have not extended an offer. My sense is they're waiting on Tony Allen. In fact, they would take Tony Allen today for the veteran minimum if Tony Allen would come. He doesn't help their shooting issues, but he is one tough SOB. I've talked to J.B. Bickerstaff about him. J.B. had Tony in Memphis. I mean, everybody I've talked to about Tony Allen, mm. they love the guy. He's the kind of guy you want in your locker room. What he brings intensity-wise on the defensive end, there's a lot of intangibles there, too. He can't shoot. Don't get me wrong. Tony Allen cannot shoot. Yeah. Andy, you can shoot better than Tony Allen. Damn straight. But he's still a good player. And if you can get Tony Allen on the veteran minimum, you do it. Mm. So the Wolves are in a holding pattern. They would take Tony Allen today if he decided, hey, I would like to be a Minnesota Timberwolf. They tried on Luke Bamute. Jamal Crawford reached out to him. Bamute was never coming here for the veteran minimum. He had interest in Houston. The Rockets are appealing. Playing with a point guard like Chris Paul, somebody he knows from their days together with the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Playing for Mike D'Antoni, an offensive-minded coach, right? No, no state income tax. No state income tax. You think about that, actually, yeah. when talking about the veteran minimum. No state income tax. The tax is here. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn high. So if you're taking a veteran minimum contract, yeah, I'm sure among the many reasons he chose Houston, that was somewhere on the list. But yep. I can just tell you from people that know Bob Mute, 
He was never coming here mm. for the veteran minimum. Rodney Stuckey would love to come here. Here's a new one. Rodney Stuckey would sign with the Timberwolves today if they offered him the veteran minimum. How many the Wolves have not Rodney offered Stuckey him the veteran been in the league? minimum. You know, I don't know if you yeah. want him. He might be able to help somebody. I, mm. I don't know if he'd help the Wolves. Uh, but he would come here. That's new. Uh, they've had a few conversations with the Dante Cunningham camp. Now, he can guard threes. Mm-hmm. He's more of a three or four. They're looking for wings and a point guard. Does Dante Cunningham really solve that? He had a really good year shooting. Familiar with Minnesota. There are some positives. If you could get Dante Cunningham for the veteran minimum, you would do it. Uh, but his camp has let the Wolves know at least you know mid-July here, July 21st. We're not taking the veteran minimum. August 21st, if we don't have a job yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. So that's, that's what the Wolves are in right now. They are in a holding pattern, waiting for guys that are willing to accept the veteran minimum that they want. I can tell you a list of guys that would gladly take the veteran minimum, like the Randy Foys of the world, C.J. Watson, but the Wolves have not extended offers to those guys. Didn't Tony Foy, Allen would be Foy one they have. used to be have. a Wolf? Who's that? Uh, Randy Foy, didn't he used to be a Wolf? Yeah, oh yeah, Gerald Green. Uh, he's another guy. Gerald Green yeah. would come here today for the veteran minimum. The Wolves have not extended that offer. Mm. Mike Dunleavy Jr. is still looking for a little bit more than the veteran minimum, but he's a guy to keep an eye on history with Tom Thibodeau. He's a guy to keep an eye on if he doesn't get more than that and it's August 21st, then maybe. Yeah, the NBA is so weird because I feel like dudes can play for like 22 years. Like Vince Carter is probably going to start somewhere next year. Or it's like, it wouldn't shock me if you told me that Joe Smith was still in the league as like the 13th man somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about Manu Ginobili, Jason Terry, Vince Carter. I mean, Jamal mm. Crawford has been around forever. Yeah, I mean, some of those guys, if you keep yourself in good enough shape, yeah. you know, maybe you haven't played, you know, Kevin Garnett or Kobe Bryant like minutes and you have the demand on your body. I mean, you think about the wear and tear on those knees of a KG or a Kobe Bryant when you're always the guy. Mm hmm. You know, so, I mean, those guys could only play so long. But, yeah, I mean, guys, especially Vince Carter the last seven, eight years, more of a secondary player. Yep. You're not playing 35 minutes a night either. Yeah, I mean, you're in good enough shape. You can extend your career. Matt Costello, former Michigan State Spartan, signed a two-way contract with the San Antonio Spurs. The Wolves made the offer. They said, hey, Matt, we'll take you on a two-way contract. His camp chose the Spurs mm. instead. The two-way contracts are tricky because you're limited. You get a little bit more money, but you could be in the G League the entire year. No guarantee that you get called up to the main roster, and you cannot move. Like, if you're playing well in the G League and you're not tied down to one team, then every team could sign you. There's injuries. There's roster exemptions, all that. I mean, there's a reason a compelling reason for an agent to tell a client, do not take that two-way offer. The kid mm. from Dayton that played well for the Wolves in Vegas in Summer League, guess what? As of now, he will not take a two-way deal with the Wolves for some of those reasons. He's looking for a partial guarantee, which you can make a case. The Wolves need two wings. Sign the kid. Give him a partial guarantee. Then you would have to decide on January 10th. If he's still on your roster January 11th, his contract is then guaranteed for the full year. Mm-hmm. But give him a two-and-a-half-month run. If you don't like what you see, you make the move on January 9th, January 10th, where you don't guarantee him the contract for the whole year. But you would pay him for November, December, those first 10 days of January. So that's what his camp is pushing for. But they may lose leverage at some point. 
But I'm just saying, don't look for the Wolves anytime soon to sign the Dayton kid mm. to a two-way deal. Perry Ellis, remember him from Kansas? Looks like he's about 37 oh, yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah. He looks like he's older than me, right? But no. he can play, and he's not that old. Really good leader. Mm. He can shoot the ball. He had a good run for the Wolves in Vegas. He's looking for a 45-day guarantee. So the way these contracts are structured, you can maximize your earning by being with the big club for 45 days. So he's looking for some sort of 45-day guarantee. Make sure I'm with the Timberwolves for 45 days so I can maximize my earning potential where I'm not making all the money in the G League. Mm. So these two-way contracts are split. When you're with the NBA team, you make NBA money. When you're with the G League team, you're making G League money. Well, he doesn't want to sign a two-way contract with the Wolves, be stuck in Des Moines the whole year, can't move, right? Let's say the Memphis Grizzlies wanted to sign him. Well, you're stuck. You sign Mm -hmm. this two-way deal. You can't escape that two-way deal, and there may not be a path to the big league roster, right, to the Wolves roster. So Perry Ellis is not interested in just a straight two-way deal. If you guarantee him the 45 days, yes, but the Wolves have not made – Perry Ellison offer yet. All right, let me get to the Twins because I just got a text message from Ooh, breaking, quasi-breaking. A Twins source on the Jaime Garcia trade talks. Now, I put it on Twitter last mm-hmm. night at about 8 o'clock. I said, hey, as of now, the Twins will assume all of the money remaining on Jaime Garcia's contract yep. with the Atlanta Braves, which is approximately $4.9 million. That is a lot of money for the Twins to take on. It would be a lot of money for anybody to take on. But I also said, dot, 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 Deal is not done. Mm. Talks continue. I forget exactly how I worded it on Twitter at D Wolfson KSTP. As we sit here on Friday afternoon, the trade is still not done from a twin source, quote, on hold for now. So my guess is as talks progressed deep into the evening last night into Friday morning, the 21st of July, there's now been some back and forth from the twins with the Braves saying, yeah, I don't know if we want to take on all $4.9 million. How about you send us $2 million? Okay, we'll send you $2 million, but instead of giving us X prospect, you're giving us D prospect, right? So then uh, you horse, disagree. Horse trading continues. You disagree based yep. on the monetary return. You disagree on the prospect. Mm. So and, and he's due to they start are tonight, in a holding pattern. He is scheduled to start for the yep. Braves tonight. Against the Dodgers. But the Twins have an open mind. They didn't as of a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But they have an open mind acquiring a pending free agent. But the, the Twins are still looking for controllable arms, whether it be relievers or starters. But the price is very high. Like you look at David Phelps, who went mm-hmm. from Miami to Seattle on Thursday. The Twins were in on David Phelps. Oh. He's controllable through 2018. Price was very high. Seattle was willing to pay the price. The Twins were not. Phelps goes from Miami to Seattle. So they're calling on all these guys. They've called on Sonny Gray from the A's. The price is incredibly high. You'd have to give up Nick Gordon plus Steven Gonzalez or Fernando Romero. Are you willing to do that? Mm. Is Sonny Gray that good? Can you trust that he'll stay healthy? These are all questions that they're well, asking. Is it a balancing act of the Twins perpetually uh, preparing for next year, but they have a spark this year. They could win the Central, make a push into the playoffs, and actually get something done. I feel like that's a bit of a delicate balancing act. It's a very delicate balancing act, but you have to send a message to your fan base, especially mm. after 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2016, where those seasons were miserable. Yep. You have to send a signal to your fan base, to the clubhouse. I think you owe it to the clubhouse. You owe it to your manager, who's embraced Jeff Pickler, 
all the analytics. Mm-hmm. Not that Molitor wasn't using analytics the previous couple of years, but he's using that stuff more than ever. There's an influence from the front office with that stuff to Jeff Pickler, who's on the field staff, and then Pickler and Molitor have a lot of back and forth, a lot of by play. Molitor embraces all that. Molitor had mm-hmm. a nice talk with Terry Francona in the winter. Francona's the one who convinced Molitor, hey, keep an open mind. Derek Falvey is a star. You give him a chance. And Molitor likes him. Molitor likes working for Derek and Thad. I can tell you that. I have a good relationship with Molitor. I don't sense that he doesn't enjoy working for those guys. Molitor wants to be here for a while. His contract is up after the year, so it remains to be seen. I think they'll, on October 1st or October 5th, whenever the twin season is over, they will evaluate the full season. They will evaluate the season as a whole, then make a decision. They have not made a decision here on July 21st, the future of one Paul Molitor. But, yeah, it it is a delicate balancing act because do you want to give up a good prospect for a player that may not be here very long. That's where it makes sense. You can go trade for a Sonny Gray. You have to give up a lot, but he'll be here for a couple of years mm-hmm. if you feel like he can stay healthy. Or even a David Phelps would have been here the rest of this year, helps you hopefully win this year. Then he's here for all of next year. So that's the idea. You want to acquire controllable arms. Uh, two Twins questions, and then we'll put a bow on it. The, did the Twins make the playoffs this year? I will say no. I just nope. think the Indians who have a very favorable schedule the last 30 games or so, a lot of games in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I just think, and they're about to get Salazar back. You look at the Indians, I just think top to bottom, their bullpen, their rotation, they have capable hitters. I just think the Indians are more talented that at some point they'll revert back to how they played last year, yep. that the Indians will create separation. Can the Twins finish in second ahead mm-hmm. of Kansas City? Absolutely. Do I think the Twins will play meaningful games late August? early September, mid-September, I do. I think that's what the second wild card offers you. Mm. It gives you a chance. You might be within four or five games, but guess what? You still have a chance. If it's September 15th and you're within four games of that second wild card, you still have a chance. You still have something to play for. Mm. So it might be comparable to 2015 where they played some meaningful games, but there wasn't really ever a thought, okay, this team really has a chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> but I think they will play meaningful games. But, no, to answer your question, no, I don't think the Twins make uh, the playoffs. Cle- Cleveland's not really good with uh, having a, you know, a nice little lead since they blew a 3-1 in the World Series last year. No one ever talked about that. Before. Yeah, but you know what? Any series is a relatively mm. small sample size. There's, there's flukiness yep. to any playoff series. You look at their body of work, April, until October 1st last year. I'm just telling you, and Terry Francona is a brilliant manager. I just think the Indians are the class of the American League Central. Also on the Twins, I should mention, you know, Royce Lewis, both local papers doing big features on him. Mm -hmm. He's tearing up the GCL, you know, the first overall pick. You know, he's on a fast path, but a twin source told me he's not getting to Cedar Rapids this year. Cedar Rapids is more likely in 2018. They're not going to rush this high school kid. They love that he's had this unbelievable 17-game run. They love everything he's done down there, his work ethic, everything about Royce Lewis, the way he's acted in the clubhouse. They love Royce Lewis. They loved him when they drafted him. They love him even more now, but they are not speeding him through the organization. So I definitely should Mm -hmm. mention that. On the Vikings, I was supposed to have Joe Schmidt on this episode, but he ended up getting some vacation time in. So Brian Murphy, the Pioneer Press, goes down to Walton, Kentucky, to hang with Mike Zimmer. Yep. Hannah Storm went down there for ESPN to hang out with Mike Zimmer. Joe Schmidt actually went down there. You haven't seen it necessarily on social media. We need to work on that. Uh, uh, but Joe, spent, do you ever call him Schmitty, or do you have too much respect for him? Uh, he calls him Joe. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. They're not quite. They're not quite that type. But Joe has a great relationship yeah. with Mike. He does. And so anyway, a couple notes. Uh, Joe said, "Okay, 
who's that player that you think will have that breakout year this year? You know, maybe like a Daniil Hunter last year Mm -hmm. or an Adam Thielen last year. Yeah. And Mike said, you know what? It's hard until we put the pads on. It really is. A lot of guys have had good off seasons, but until we put the pads on, it's hard. Because Zimmer said, hey, if you had asked me on July 21st of 2016 anything about Adam Thielen, I would have told you, no. I mean, he's got a chance. He'll help us on special teams. He did not foresee the year that Adam Thielen Plus, had. he had a really poor camp last year. Yeah. Okay. Good memory. Yeah. All right, but here's the name. But Mike said, okay, I'll answer the question. Here's the name. Trey Waynes. Mike Zimmer is convinced mm-hmm. Trey Waynes will take a monster leap in 2017. We'll see, but yeah. I'm just telling you that's from – you know, the DB whisperer's mouth, right? Yeah. Mike Zimmer saying Trey Waynes is that guy. Also, Mike talked about, you know, this time last year coming off an 11-win season, there was this so-called target on the Vikings' back, right? He likes flying under the radar. Mm. He likes that not a lot of people are talking about the Vikings and how he's lived his the life. 2017 potential. He also feels like getting in the two new tackles, plus if Elfline starts the year at center, eventually mm. takes over at center, he really feels like a lot of the pre-snap penalties that occurred last year will be a thing of the past. He really mm. feels like that they've worked on that the entire offseason, that some of these goofy penalties and not being able to score at the one and two yard line, some of that stuff, he feels like they've cleaned that stuff up. You know, And there's something to be said about Sam Bradford in the entire offseason. Heck, Mike went down to Oklahoma and spent some time with Sam Bradford. Mm. You know, there's a thought that Sam's playing for a monster contract, even though he's already made a ton of money. (laughs) But there's a thought that there's a lot of positives going for Mm. the Vikings. I'm not suggesting they're going 12 and 4 or 13 and 3, but I think they have a chance. I think they're in that 9, 10, you know, a couple things go wrong. Maybe it's 8, but I think they're in that 9 to 10 win range. But I will say this much I mean, with the Super Bowl here, you know, there's a lot of internal pressure from the Mm. Wilfs. I'm just telling you, if the year goes south, you know, don't be surprised if, oh. there's, if there's some sort of change. I mean, to me, it's Rick Spielman before, yeah. before Mike Zimmer. But I'm just saying, keep but, an eye and, on you know, that. GM's going to want his own guy. Well, I'm just telling yeah. you. Well, maybe it eventually leads yeah. to that. I'm just telling you, keep an eye on that if the year goes south. But I don't think it will. I think they can maintain health. Mm. I spent some time with Harrison Smith on Thursday. We were talking off camera for a bit. He thinks Anthony Barr is primed to have a big year. That's what reminds me. He goes, he goes, hey, we play basketball. Mm. You know, he goes, Anthony's one of my best friends. We play basketball. You know, we're together all the time. You feel like he's not running full speed at times. Mm. That's just who he is. He goes, I promise you, he's giving maximum effort, even if it doesn't look like he's giving maximum effort. Yep. A lot of fans say, it looks like there's more there with Anthony Barr. Harrison Smith swore to me. He goes, he's giving maximum effort. Yeah, max- this was off camera. This was not yeah. on camera. You know, I feel like I know Harrison well enough where – He's going to tell me the truth for the most part. That's what he told me. Okay, a couple other notes. Then we'll get to uh, Andy Grage of of Vine Park Brewery, and then we'll wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 85. All right, on Gophers basketball, so they get Jarvis Thomas this week of Orono. We've talked about that on previous Scoop Podcasts, that it was leaning that way. Uh, I'll continue to say that I see them getting Gabe Kausher of De La Salle, the sharpshooter, the shooting guard. I think that happens soon, by the way. I think Gabe Kausher commits to the Gophers basketball team soon. Trey Jones, I see him at Duke. thought UCLA for a while, but no mm. on UCLA. I see Trey Jones following in Tyus's footsteps. I see Trey going to Duke. But the Gophers are trying. They are. Yep. And he likes the Gophers. It's also hard to say no 
to Duke. Uh, what what percent chance would you say Gophers Trey Jones making it happen? I think it's ten percent, five percent. I I, just, I make Duke an overwhelming favorite. Quickly on the Wild, they're not doing anything until they figure out the numbers for Grandland, Niederreiter, Felino. They're restricted mm-hmm. free agents. All three guys will be back. All three guys will get multi-year contracts. Just a matter of how they slot in. But they'd love to add another forward or two. I was with Bruce Boudreau for a while last week. He was on Scoop Podcast episode 84. He told me, hey, we only have 10 NHL forwards right now. Mm. Last time I checked, you need more than 10. So they're looking to add a forward or two. Also off camera, had no idea. So I said to Bruce, hey, you're looking forward to going fishing up on Lake Mille Lacs. This was a couple days later for a wild event over at Izadis on, uh, I guess it would have been whatever last Saturday was. Mm. And he goes... No, I'm deathly afraid of worms. Like, wow. when would you ever believe that Bruce Boudreau is afraid of worms? And he was going on and on. Bruce is one of the funniest guys I've ever been around. But just hearing him off camera explain his fear of worms, mm. I was literally, Andy, on the ground in tears. I was laughing so hard. Uh, well, what was his rationale? He just, for the longest time, just they're squirmy, yeah. they're wiggly. He just, you know, just doesn't like him. Just is scared, you know what. Ironically, completely fine worms. with snakes. Uh, doesn't like snakes. I oh, asked right, him that. Right, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't like snakes either. But but you would think, well, you know, uh, a lot of people are scared of snakes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worms? But he's like, yeah, I can't handle them. Well, now, I don't even know if you can use worms. There's all sorts of uh, restrictions on, on Mille Lacs. So I don't even know what, yeah. the, what the bait restrictions are. So I don't even know if you can, you can use worms or not. Uh, but if you could, I can promise you, he had his guide bait his hook. There was no way Bruce Boudreau was putting a worm, if they are allowed, on Lake Mille Lacs on his hook. Oh, that's cute. That's like a five-year-old kid. Correct. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Or, heck, my six-year-old loves holding fish, loves holding worms. So mm. we might be talking about a two-year-old. <laughs> it was just it was phenomenal. All right, let's now transition. Let's bring Andy Grage into the conversation. He is the owner of Vine Park Brewery. We continue to broadcast here at Vine Park Brewery, Scoop Podcast, Episode 85. Let's bring Andy now into the conversation. Andy, thank you for your time. Thank you for all that you do for the Scoop Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure. All right, tell us about Vine Park. I mean, you know, I spew all sorts of positives about it on a weekly basis, but Thank you, you know it way more than I do. You sure. have intimate knowledge about this place. <laughs> tell us about it. Well, we've been doing it for 22 years now. We opened in 1995. We are still the only brew on premise in the Midwest. We're a brewery where people can come in and brew their own beer, make their own wine on our equipment with our help. I mean, the wine part is the one that really is attention-grabbing to me, right? I mean, there's a lot of places where you can brew beer. We know that. I don't know a lot of places where you can, where you can make your own wine. Actually, there are, there are not any other places okay, where well, you can come in you and go. brew your own beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are the only one. Okay, so, so in terms of brewing your own beer, your yep. own specific beer. On commercial equipment. Okay. Yep, on site. We have about 60 different recipes for people to choose from. So you just come in with some friends. You pick out a recipe. We'll set you up on a kettle, and then we'll have a brew coach uh, walk you through the brewing process step-by-step. Step. You're here for about an hour and a half on brewing day. And then you come back two weeks later, and we'll set you up on a bottling station with sanitized bottles. And you bottle it and cap it. And on bottling day, it is cold, carbonated, and ready to drink. So you can sample it while you bottle it. And then you take six cases of beer home with you for every batch that you brew. All right, take us through the process then. So when an individual, when a group of friends comes here. Yep. 
Take us through how that process works. They meet with that brew coach, yep. then take it from there. Well, so they'll they'll make a reservation. They can do that online. And uh, we have 60 different recipes for you to choose from. We have a recipe comparison sheet. It's on our website, and it's also available at the brewery here. But that will give you commercial examples of all of our recipes. So if you like Summit Extra Pale Ale, we've got one like that. If you like Miller Lite, we've got something like that. We're not beer snobs. Whatever you like to drink, we've got something for you. So we'll set up a kettle for you. We'll measure out the water. Then you'll measure out your malt. You'll add that to the kettle. You'll measure out your hops. You'll add that to the kettle. It boils for an hour. At the end of a one-hour boil, we'll pump it out of that kettle into a fermentation uh, vessel, and then you add your yeast to that. I mean, it's a really cool process, isn't it? I Thank mean, you. For yeah, most people, I mean, there's a fascination involved with well, brewing something that you know you'll eventually enjoy and enjoy thoroughly. Sure. And, and the beer that you come in and brew here, it's commercial quality beer every time. We filter it. We force carbonate it. We guarantee the results. I mean, is the feedback normally pretty positive? I mean, people say, okay, didn't know really what to expect, but after going through it, wow, that was unbelievable. We've been doing it for 22 years now. If the beer wasn't fantastic, we wouldn't still be here. <laughs> yeah, so vinepark.com is the website. Correct. And you're active on Twitter as well, yep. at vine underscore park underscore brew, but certainly yep. go to the website. And you have all sorts of, whether it's video demonstrations, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much every question that anybody listening to this could have is answered on the website. It should be, but uh, we're also always happy to talk to you. So if you want to give us a call, you can do that too. Is it possible if people want to come in and just enjoy a beer? I mean, do you have the tap set up? Can people just come in and... Not yet. Okay. Um, I'm actually working on that, trying to get some licensing so that I would be able to sell you a beer while you're sitting here. But at this time, no. But we do make and sell our own beer in growlers to go. Uh, We also make uh, a root beer that I'm very proud of. We sell that by the bottle, Mm -hmm. by the six-pack, by the case, or by the keg. How hard is it to make root beer? Well, the root beer is a secret recipe that I won't oh, share okay. with anybody. So it took me about three years to develop that recipe. And uh, the, the beer recipes, they're a dime a dozen. You can get a good beer recipe online anywhere, but the root beer, that's mine. All right, take us more through the wine process. I've seen some of the brewing process along sure. the way, just at different stops. I haven't seen wine, though, and how that works. How does that work? Well, with the wine, there's no cooking involved. Uh, you're just mixing up grape juice and some additives and yeast. Now, wine. it's not like I love Lucy, like they're they're mashing the grapes with their feet in the back. No, those you, tubs. you don't have to uh, sanitize your feet before you come in. <laughs> you, won't, you won't be doing that. No. Um, with that, we have about 20 different wines that you can make. Uh, we have some wines that will give you about a 15 to $20 quality bottle of wine. And we have other wines that will give you about a 40 to $50 quality bottle of wine. Um, with the wine, it really only takes about 20 to 30 minutes to mix it up. There's no cooking involved. And then you come back six weeks later and bottle it and cork it. And then we'll take about an hour. You can put on your own labels. Uh, you put shrink capsules on the top for decorative. Um, and then take it home with you. All right. I plead stupidity. What's the difference then in the quality of the wine? Are we talking the grapes or the grape juice? It's the grape juice, absolutely the grape juice. So we get the juice from a distributor in Canada. They buy the Mm. juice on the open market, uh, same as commercial wine manufacturers do. Most commercial wine manufacturers will grow about 10% of their own grapes. The rest they buy is juice on the open market. 
So these are the same juices that commercial wine manufacturers are getting. Um, the selection series wines that we have, which will give you about a $15 to $20 quality bottle of wine, those will tell you the country of origin, or if they're from the U.S., they're from California. Um, the more expensive wines, the uh, Equip series wines that we have, that will give you about a $40 to $50 quality bottle of wine. Those will tell you the exact vineyard that those grapes were grown on. We have some um, Stag's Leap uh, Merlot. We have um, some Lodi Ranch uh, Cabernet. So those tell you the exact vineyard. All right, back to the beer. What What is your most popular flavor? I mean, are a lot of people now going the IPA route? Exactly, yeah. The the young folks, the kids these days, they're, they're drinking the IPAs. Um, but, you know, like I say, we have something for everybody. I come up with about five new recipes every year because people always want to know what's new. But you can never get rid of any because they're always somebody's favorites. Mm-hmm. So we the, the list keeps growing and growing and growing. When you say you come up with new recipes, is that you just on your own experimenting? Is that exactly. you traveling, talking to others in the business? It's it's all of those, yeah. It's, uh, you know, going out to tap rooms and trying what other uh, brewers are brewing these days. But um, when I brew the beer for the growlers that we sell, that's when I get to kind of flex my creativity and, and have some fun and brew something new. And what will usually happen is I'll, I'll brew a new recipe and we'll have it in growlers and People will start to come in and say, hey, I want to brew that one. Uh, so that will get added to the selection of beers that you can brew. The location, 1254 West 7th Street, I mean, it's centrally located. I mean, there's all sorts of street parking available, mm-hmm. conveniently located. I mean, it's, what, three, four minutes to the XL Energy Center to yep. the heart of downtown St. Paul. Yep. And easily accessible by 35E. Correct, yeah. I mean, Pretty much, if you go 35E to West 7th, if you're heading into downtown St. Paul, it's right along the way. So, I mean, I would imagine, you know, with this central location, there's probably a lot of curiosity. Just people driving by saying, okay, I see the signage. I see Vine Park Brewing. Okay, let me go try that place out. Well, and that's a big part of the reason that I'm trying to get a taproom license so that, you know, I probably get 20 people a day walking in wanting to order a pint of beer, Mm -hmm. and I have to turn them away. So we're going to get that fixed. All right. I imagine with, what, Labor Day coming up in, what, four, five, six weeks, back to school. I mean, there's all sorts of different, whether it's back to school celebrations or just, you know, Labor Day weekend parties. I would imagine coming here to brew your own beer, make your own wine, it would make some sense. It's a multi-week process, but you get that thing going here in the next week or two, you've got this great beer that you made or wine ready for for a Labor Day weekend party. I always tell people the sooner you brew it, the sooner it's ready to drink. You know, (laughs) there's no no time like the present to come in and brew some beer and make some wine. Uh, Yes, if you want to have it done for Labor Day, you still have time. If you want to get it before uh, football season starts or before the baseball playoffs start, now's the time to brew. Absolutely. Andy, thank you so much. Again, I can't express my deep thanks for all that you do for the Scoop Podcast. Absolutely. I love being a part of it. From PJ Fleck to Brian Windhorst of ESPN to Harrison Smith to Jeff Reardon to Andy Grage, who's nice enough to sponsor the Scoop Podcast. We packed a lot in, multiple parts, a lengthy Scoop Podcast episode 85. But heck, there's a lot to get to when you're on vacation, lots to get to when you get back from a vacation. 
Again, my hope is to do episode 86 sometime next week, although I'm in Mankato a ton. If you happen to be in Mankato, look for me. I'll be on the sidelines. I'll be all over the place. I'll be omnipresent. So be sure to track me down. Pick my brain if you will be in Mankato as well with the start of Vikings training camp. Thank you so much for listening. This does it for episode 85.